Good morning. Please join me in our responsive reading titled Church. Young and old, sons and daughters of God, all you who are the diverse creations of God's imagination and love, join in praise and thanksgiving as we worship the one who brings us together. We come together in partnership and mission, knowing that we are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to serve others, to seek justice, to offer hope of the resurrected Christ. We are called to the one hope of our high calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Amen.
be seated. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. It's always good to be in God's house with God's people and sharing a time of fellowship and worship uh, together. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And we'd like to ask our guests to drop by our hospitality table after the service. We have a little gift that we would like to to share with you today. Um, A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance pad there. It's on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to to take that and to fill it out uh, as much as you feel comfortable giving us uh, the information there. But especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there. And we send that out each Thursday. And it's a, a good opportunity to uh, uh, keep up to speed on what we have going on as far as worship and ministry and fellowship activities here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, so if you could do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Um, Several things are coming up. First of all, our, our Upward is gearing up. Our Upward basketball and cheerleading uh, program is gearing up. We have distributed the uh, brochures in the schools. Uh, thank you, Sybil and Jerry, for doing that this past week. And we're already getting telephone calls about our Upward program. Evaluations begin tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday and and. Um, and Saturday, and, and we've got a lot going on. We, we do still need some scholarships because there are a lot of people who will be coming to sign up who will not be able to pay uh, the full amount. And a full scholarship is $65, and you can, uh, you can uh, offer a scholarship or uh, provide a scholarship for somebody, or you, you can provide a partial scholarship for somebody, and uh, that would be a wonderful thing. We would certainly appreciate it. We're also in the midst of our... Uh, 100 days of prayer. And so we not only need scholarships, but we especially need prayer. We want this to be one of our best seasons yet, which will require a lot of hard work and a lot of prayer. And uh, so let us let us be committed um, to pray for our upward program every single day. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, we have been having our, our Sunday school uh, mission opportunity, our summer mission opportunity. We've had, was it six weeks we've had this? Six weeks of bringing in items that were biblically based items of food uh, for uh, the Christian outreach. And this week is the last week. And the, the focus that we have this week is on the widow's might. And you'll see that there's a box down there. And we are asking you to put in some money that will also go to the Henderson Christian Outreach. And I believe Mike would have, like to have a, a word. So, Mike, come on up here. And then immediately after that, Jerry wants to have a word. So, Jerry, you come on up here as well. Thank you, everybody, for uh, all that you have done with this mission opportunity. Dottie was unable to uh, be with us this morning, but she wanted me to uh, be sure and tell you all how much she greatly appreciated every effort and every donation that the church has made uh, for the, the food that, that was brought. And uh, it's great. the need was great, and it's greatly appreciated. And she wanted me to express that to you this morning. And may God richly bless every effort that was made, and may he richly bless those to whom 
we will be helping. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Here I go again. Um, there's a couple of things I want to mention here this morning. So I hope we have plenty of time for that, Dr. Jim. Okay. <laughs> if somebody starts doing that, I'll know when to shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for making the Summerfest so successful. I wasn't able to be here that week, so I didn't get to see it all come together. But from what I heard, everyone enjoyed themselves. There was a lot of people that attended. And it sounded like everybody had such a big time. I know Phyllis had told me that some have already uh, <clears throat> approached her and said, are we going to do it next year or let's do it again? So uh, I guess, Dr. Tim, I think maybe we can do it again next year. And hopefully it will be bigger and better next year. So all of you that put forth the effort, good job. And I would like to mention, you know, they always say behind every man there's a great woman. Well, I've got four. <laughs> yes, honey, you're one of them. <laughs> Jerry Maynard for taking and taking care of all the food and the refreshments. Thank you very much. And uh, Phyllis uh, and Mary Dunham, you know, y'all did all the hard work. And, you know, and they keep saying, no, you did it. No, 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 no. Y'all had the legs, and y'all did the work. So thank you very much. And anybody else that really, good job. Good job. <clears throat> so let's do it again next year. Second, most of you know that my father passed away a couple of weeks ago. Bittersweet. Uh, not a lot of tears. And there's a reason for that. I won't get to see my father ever again in the physical form and to hear that voice that way. But I know where he's at today. And he's walking those streets of gold and he's playing that big fiddle bass or the big bass, whatever, stand-up bass. And he's talking God's leg off. And I'm sure that God's asked him already, George, can you shut up for a little while? There's no doubt in that. No doubt in that at all. So I want to thank everybody for all the prayers and cards and phone calls. They meant so much. But when I say that I'm okay, believe me, I am. And that's because of the faith that I have that he raised me to have and helped me to have and the upbringing in the church because my father was a minister. Yes, he was Methodist. I wouldn't be here today because if it wasn't for my father. Okay? So, thank you, Dad. <clears throat> um, so we're losing track here. There's something else that I really want to say, and we don't always hear these things, but I want to say and give a praise to this church. When, when the news came about my father... Doc, my wife called Dr. Tim, and he come rushing over to the house. And we sat down, and, and it was time where, you know, the bills are due to the schools and all this. And, you know, Dr. Tim didn't hesitate. Do you need a little help? 
I had to fly to Florida or get to Florida somehow. Dr. Tim was there. This church was there. And there's angels among us. And I don't know if you believe in angels, but I sure do. And I won't call no names, but there's a bunch of them out here. And if it wasn't for these people, I may not have been able to attend with my family the services and be able to honor my father. So for that, I praise God, and I thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. Our church does those things, and you don't always hear about them. This church loves people, and they take care of its people. They loved me before I even came to this church, and they still love me today. I'm wearing this shirt today. I got a few few looks. No, my name is not George. That was my father's name. And it says City of Zoffo, uh, well, town of Zoffo Springs. That's a small town in Florida that he retired to. And he retired as a minister, but he couldn't stay away. And it wasn't a full-time pastorate. It was a part-time pastorate, but he treated it as a full-time. Dad didn't do anything halfway. He was 72 when he passed. Very poor health, but it never stopped him. He never quit. He never complained. And he lived life to the fullest. He loved people. He, he helped people. He fished. He hunted. He loved politics. He loved playing in the band. He loved, oh, the, the man was so talented. And... There's, I wish I could have told him I loved him one more time. I wish I could have told him that I was proud of him. I wish I could have told him that he was my hero. Here's something I want you all to think about. If there's anything in your lives that's keeping you from the people you love, there's nothing too small to get rid of it. Make that phone call. Write that letter. Go to the person. Tell them you love them. Do anything. It took my father's death to reunite a brother I hadn't seen in seven years or spoken to. I hadn't seen a nephew in seven years. I think we're back on the right track. But I wish I could have seen my father just one more time. So please do that. I asked my father one time when I first got married to Royce, I said, Dad, what will it take to have a successful marriage, Dad, as you and Mom's been married? He said, Son, keep praying. No matter what y'all do, keep praying. doesn't have to be just marriage. Believe in prayer. I do. And I can give you a million and one reasons why. A million and one reasons. And you youngins, I got a message for you too. I know you hear about goals and dreams, and there's reasons for that. Don't ever stop dreaming and working towards those goals. My dad loved politics, and he wondered why, if he ever, why, what it would be like to be in politics. When he was 68 years old, he became a mayor 
of Zafo Springs. And this is a shirt he would wear to those meetings at 68 years old. He got to speak in front of the Florida House of Representatives. That was an honor. I was proud of him for that. I didn't tell him, though, but I was proud of him. He lived out a dream at 68 years old and was still mayor the day he passed. They wanted him to run for the state house of Rispertans, but he said, no, I'm a little too old. I'm a little too rusty. I can't do that. But on the day that we left, we didn't know this until this past week, he also belonged to, it's called the Ridge of Cities on the central and west side of Florida, several cities. He was voted and will be awarded a prestigious award, not only as a member of the Ridge of Cities, but as a Citizen of the Year Award. And we didn't know that when we all packed up mom and left down there on the following Wednesday. My mom's going to go down there and accept that award soon proud of my dad and his memories will still live on through the lives he touched and even through my children and their children's children so thank y'all thank y'all very much there he goes our friend. thank you Jerry uh, just one other announcement today happy birthday summer <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> Um, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. And as we do, children, come forward for our children's moment. Uh, Mr. Kirk will be leading our children's moments now. Look at all these children we have up here. Wonderful. And I've just been told that it's not only it's not only Summer's birthday, but it's Jasmine's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jasmine.
And then after the adults sing, thinking about the legacy and what we leave behind for our children here at Community Baptist Church. If you're in grade three, four, and five, we usually work this together. You can take one of these papers with you. And if you are in kindergarten, first and second grade, you will walk quietly and ever so gently all the way back to the very back door. And while you walk quietly and gently, or while you're getting your paper, I want you to listen to adults sing 572. Hymn 572. Trevor, would you stand and lead us? Number 10, How Great Thou Art With Me.
you remain standing with me, please? When Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some think that you are John the baptizers, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of the books of, or from teachers. My father is in heaven. God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You're Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. He swore the disciples to secrecy. He made them promise they would tell no one that he was the Messiah. You pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we pause at this time to say thank you. We ask that you bless the members of this rock that we have built our church on. The members who have made such a difference in lives. We ask that you bless those who cannot worship with us, but who hold us dear to them, wherever they may be. Keep them safe. Keep us safe. Be with our preachers. He brings our service. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, we are thankful that you have blessed all your followers with gifts of service. And we thank you today for all the ministries in your name that are a part of Community Baptist Church. Today we especially thank you for all those who have volunteered to help with Upward Basketball and Cheer and for all those who will participate in the Upward program. As we dedicate these material offerings now, gracious God, we know you have work for us to do. Till all the jails are empty and all the bellies filled, till no one hurts or steals or lies and no more blood is spilled, till age and race and gender no longer separate, till pulpit, press, and politics are free of greed and hate. Dear God, you have work for us to do. Help us to do it and to spread your unconditional love starting now. Amen.
And all God's people said, Amen. What a wonderful song uh, and what a wonderful um, slide presentation. That is the church. We are the church. And that song was written by one of my favorite uh, people, not only one of my favorite musicians, but Ken Miedema is one of my favorite people in all the world. Uh, if you don't know Ken Miedema, you need to learn something about this, this wonderful, wonderful man. There's an old, old story about a cowboy who went to church for the very first time. He was really enthusiastic about his experience, and he was telling a friend about everything that happened to him. He said, I rode right on up there to the church on my horse, and I tied her off to a tree in the corral. And so the friend said, you don't mean the corral, you mean the parking lot. And so the cowboy said, well, I don't know, maybe that's what they call it. Anyway, I tied up my horse, and, and I went in through the main gate. And the friend said, you mean the front door of the church? Well, I, I guess that's right, the cowboy said. Anyway, a couple of fellas took me down a long chute, and the friend said, you mean down the center aisle? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, and then they put me in one of those little box stalls, and his friend said, you mean a pew? And the cowboy said, yeah, now I remember. That's exactly what that lady said when I sat down beside her. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> You know, silly things can happen in churches sometimes, can't they? Ridiculous things. I remember catching some kids snooping around the pulpit area during vacation Bible school, and I asked them what they were looking for, and one of them said, we're looking for that place where you crucify people. After explaining to them that we don't, as a practice, crucify people in this church, I found out that what they were actually looking for is the place where we baptize people. Funny things can happen in church, but also some sad things can happen in church as well. And I think we'll agree that there's no such thing as a perfect church, just like there's no such thing as a perfect pastor or perfect lay people. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Sometimes we do great, great things for God. And I think the, the photos that we were seeing just a little while ago demonstrate some of the wonderful things that that we do for God here at Community Baptist Church. But, again, but then again, sometimes churches spend endless hours arguing over things that don't amount to a hill of beans. As someone has said, churches are just about as apt to take up sides as they are to take up the cross. You're probably familiar with that little verse of Scripture where Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Well, some smart soul has paraphrased that verse to read like this. If two or three of you will ever get together on anything, I'll show up to see it for myself. <laughs> and it's funny. But it's also sad. Fact is that sometimes churches have been downright destructive to the spiritual lives of those who have turned to them for guidance. Our society is littered with former church members who will never darken the door of a church again because of the lack of grace that was expressed to them in the place that proclaims grace as its watchword. Matthew Fox tells about a priest in Manhattan who was dismayed by the empty seats in his church. And he wondered, where is everybody gone? 
He thought, well, would, would it help to advertise? But he determined that that would be pretty expensive in Manhattan. So he came up with an idea. He put an ad in the New York Times inviting Christians who felt wounded by the church to come on a Tuesday night to talk about it. And he hoped that there would be at least 30 people there to show up. But instead, 450 people arrived. Now, that's disturbing. But it just goes to show you that people are hurt in church sometimes. You may have heard that terrible accusation that the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. And unfortunately, sometimes that's true. But this passage of Scripture that we're talking about today encourages us that that there's no force from the outside that can destroy the church. But my friends, let me tell you something. Most of the damage that happens in most churches come from the inside. The fact is that that people can say and do things that are downright cruel. And and whether they know it or not, it can be very destructive to the church. In fact, I'm convinced that that we do these silly and sometimes hurtful things in church because we're not aware of how important the church really is to God's plan. Folks, if we knew who we are, if we knew how much God depends upon us, I think we would be transformed into a different kind of body altogether. We are those who are called to be light and salt to the world. We are those who are called to be the living embodiment of Jesus Christ in the world That's what our logo here at Community Baptist Church says. We are to be the presence of Christ serving a world in need. We are those for whom Christ gave His life. We are the church of Jesus Christ. So let's consider our gospel lesson for this morning. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, he he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And let's pause for just a moment here. Don't you think it's interesting that some people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist? Herod had just recently beheaded John the Baptist when this conversation took place. And yet some of the people thought that Jesus was none other than John the Baptist come back to life. Why would they think that? Well, one of the early church fathers named Origen said that since Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins, maybe they looked alike. Never thought about that before. Maybe they did. I mean, even Herod himself, who ordered the beheading of John, was was confused by Jesus' appearance and and wondered if, if Jesus was John the Baptist raised from the dead. Maybe he thought John had come back to haunt him or something since he had cut off his head. I just think it's interesting that they confused Jesus with his cousin. But the disciples reported that that some of the people were saying that John that uh The Son of Man is John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks, what about you? Who do you say I am? 
And that's when Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is one of the most pivotal passages in all of Scripture. And there's so much that I, that could be said about this passage of Scripture. But I really want to focus on a few words when Jesus says. On this rock, I will build my church. Do you understand that, that one of the primary reasons that Jesus came into this world was to build his church. Do you understand that? If I were to ask you, why did Jesus come into this world? Some of you would probably say to die for our sins or to show us what God is like or to to teach us a better way. And all of this is true, of course. But but consider what Jesus's first action was after his baptism and after his temptation in the wilderness. What did he do? He called his first disciples. In other words, he started a church. And he spent the next three years training those disciples in what they would need to do after he was gone. My friends, from the very beginning, Christ devoted a major part of his ministry to building a church. Not a church building, of course, but a church community. And he tells his disciples That he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What a strong metaphor that is. Now, some people translate that as the gates of hell. But that's not exactly an, an accurate translation. The word Hades does not really refer to hell. But rather it's the place of the dead. The equivalent in Hebrew is Sheol. It's the place of the dead or the grave or, or where, where uh, disembodied souls go. It's a reference to the powers of death. And of course, Jesus, when he said this, was about to die. And he knew that many of his followers would probably be, be martyred for his cause. And so what Jesus was saying here was that Death for the master or for the disciples, whether by crucifixion or by natural cause, could not overcome the church. The church will survive. My friends, it's important for us to see that that one of the primary reasons that that Christ came into this world. Was to build his church. And as Christ's church. We are the people who are set apart by God to transform the kingdoms of this world into the kingdom of God. We, the people of God, are the church. And if it's true that we are to be about transforming the kingdoms of the world into the kingdom of God, if that's true, and I believe it is, I don't think we can afford the time or the effort that it takes to to be silly and petty in the church. Instead, what we need to do is to keep our eyes focused 
on what Christ has called us to be and to do. So what is that? Well, first of all, I think we are to provide a witness to God in the world. And one way that we do that is by modeling for the world how people are to live in relationship to one another. Jesus tells us that the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think that that that's probably one reason that so many people are disenchanted with the church. It's because they have experienced the the pettiness and the lack of love that that churches can can sometimes express. Back in 1964, Dr. Jim Standerford's father well, basically, he chewed out the administrative board of her, of their home church. And this wasn't the first time. It had happened many times before. Standerford's father was frequently a severe critic of those within the church with, that he disagreed with. But, but then something happened. Standerford's grandmother died. His grandmother was one of the matriarchs of the church and she was fondly known among the congregation as Mother Standerford. And at the end of her funeral, as, as Standerford's dad was beginning to walk down the aisle, he collapsed. And then something dramatic happened. But you see, two of the very persons who his father had so recently publicly criticized came to his side. And lifted him up and walked down the aisle on either side of him, literally supporting him and holding him up as they made their way down that aisle. It was in that moment, Standerford says, as a, as a junior in high school, that he saw the church in a whole new light. And it was at that moment that he knew that the main course of, of life is our relationship with Christ and our relationship with one another in Christ. Those two men demonstrating their love to his father became Jim Standerford's call to the ministry. And my friends, if the church is to, is to be the hope of the world, then we need to witness to Christ's love within our own fellowship. And we need to show the world how Christians can love one another. Then secondly, we need to witness to God's love for the world. William Willimon tells about a church in Florida that had once been a great congregation in the heart of the city. But the city changed. The neighborhood changed and declined uh, where the church existed. And now the congregation was made up mostly of folks who commuted in on Sunday mornings from the suburbs. Church members didn't live around the church, very, uh, not very many of them, and so they commuted in from the suburbs. And like many such congregations, they had a problem with vagrants, homeless men and women hanging around the church. They put locks on the doors, but at night the homeless people would break the locks. And, and so they had a meeting to discuss further security measures, bigger locks, better doors. 
What could be done to keep these vagrants from damaging their precious property? Well, one one woman on the board said, um, I'm a little bothered by the church locking out and shutting doors, particularly to those in need. One of the other board members asked, what, what do you want us to do? Just throw open the doors and tell them all to come in and help yourself? Well, somebody from the back of the room piped up and said, why not? What? Why not? was one of the oldest members of the congregation. She said, well, we've been having a tough time attracting folks to this church, and here are some people who are so eager to get in that they break the doors down. Let's let them in. I moved the question, somebody said. And they took a vote, and that night, they left the doors open. Twenty homeless men and women showed up. And there were problems, of course, but, but gradually this church did what was necessary to accommodate these children of God. And those homeless men and women were given, had, had given their church a new life. One of the, one of the members said that they, they helped us to be a real church and not just a pretend church. One observer has noted that a church can be either a cruise ship or a battleship. On a cruise ship, everybody expects to be waited on or entertained. But on a battleship, everyone is trained for a specific job and and works with others as a team. And folks, i got to tell you, I am proud to be a part of such a great battleship church as Community Baptist Church. As we saw a couple of weeks ago at our summer fest when we put out our, our, our ministry boards for everyone to see, it's remarkable how much this church does. And here's the thing. No one person could do all that. You know? I couldn't do all that. It is the work of scores of people in our, in our congregation finding the gifts that God has given to them and putting those gifts to work to edify God's church and to reach out to God's world. It's not a competition. I know that, you know, I know when we were making those little boards, everybody was kind of looking over and see what everybody was doing. It's not a competition, and we know that it's not. It's not a competition at all. And it's not complaining that I don't have your gifts and you don't have my gifts. It's finding the gifts that you have. And then freely using those gifts to follow God. And encouraging others to find and use their gifts to follow God as well. My friends, the gates of Hades represent all that is cruel and all that is debasing and all that is unjust in our world. The gates of Hades are a symbol of everything that opposes God's will. And it is our calling as the church to dismantle those gates. It's our reason for being. Christ has called us into being to be his body in the world. Healing the sick. Casting out demons. Reconciling the world unto God. 
we are to witness to God's presence in the world by loving one another and by loving the world for whom Christ died. And now is the time for us to help Jesus with one of the biggest construction projects ever attempted. Building the church. And helping him to build the kingdom of God here on earth. So let us not be a cruise ship of luxury and self-serving. Let us be a battleship against all that is destructive in the world. And let us all man our stations with the greatest weapons that God has given to us. The weapons of love and faith. Amen. We're going to sing together. Number 212. I love you, Lord. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been hurt by the church before. Maybe you've been injured by Something that someone has said or done. And it's hard for you to even be here. Let me tell you something, folks. We're human beings and we do things and we say things that we regret. But in Christ, there's always grace. So focus on that. Focus on that grace. God loves you more than anything else in the world. And we try. (laughs) We try. And it's God's love that can bring you that fulfilling relationship. It's God's love that knocks down those gates of Hades. And it's God's love that allows us to love one another as Christ has loved us. Maybe you need to make that commitment to Christ and His love today. Or maybe you're looking for a church to be a part of. Maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing together number 212. I love you, Lord. Would you come?
us pray. Oh God, we have come to this place this morning, but in doing so, we have not come to church. Instead, we are the church. We have come to worship you, to fellowship with you and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have come to learn, perhaps to be inspired by your spirit. And, and, and now it's time for your church to be dismissed into the world. May we scatter ourselves amongst our jobs, our schools, our leisure, our shopping, or wherever else we may be, whatever else we may do. And as we do, may we bear witness to the great love that you have for those we meet each day. Go with your church, O oh God. Protect us against those who would intentionally or unintentionally cause it harm and use us to fulfill your work in this world. In the name of the Son of the living God, we pray. Amen.